Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Options show with Richard Talk to Me Guy, and Sherry Edwards is on leave, working on projects. Today's show is so vast that I'm not going to do any announcements or anything, because Dr. Kareem Ibrahim is with us, founder of Biogeometry, and it's such a vast field that I really want to get right to the show. This is one of those shows, I'll say this now, this is one of those shows you're going to want to listen to again and tell your friends. And one of the ways that you can find the replay about 10 to 15 minutes after we stop is go to soundhealthoptions.com and click on the radio tab and follow the links there to the Blog Talk radio show. And the replay will be there in about half an hour or so. And or you can also go to iTunes or your podcast aggregator of choice, podcast app, and search for Sherry Edwards. And the shows there usually are in about half hour to an hour. And you'll be able to find any of the other over 700 hours of shows. But you'll find this show because the, the kind of information and the long-term beneficial effect of biogeometry and what Dr. Kareem has discovered and developed over the past, I'll confirm this with him, but I think it's more than 45 years, verging on 47 which is amazing unto itself. We were talking backstage, and I think we bumped into each other a few times in shows down through the years. It's really amazing work. So I'm going to get right to it. Dr. Ibrahim Karim, an architect by profession, graduate of the renowned FIT Zurich, Switzerland, with a BA, MA, and a Doctor's of Science in Tourist Planning. He occasionally teaches as visiting professor of architecture at several universities. Dr. Kareem owns Alamera Consultants architecture firm founded by his father, Dr. Saeed Kareem, in the 1930s, who's the main pioneer of modern architecture in the Middle East and the author of several books on the culture behind the greatness of ancient Egypt. Ibrahim did research in biogeometrical organic planting with Professor Peter Moles of the University of Wageningen in Holland and conducted a workshop to find solutions to harmful earth radiation at the Design Academy of Indoven. Dr. Cream gives seminars and workshops in Europe, America, and the Middle East. He's regularly on television and radio. In Egypt, he joined the National Hepatitis C Research Project, led by the late Taha Khalifa, director of the Faculty of Pharmacy at Al-Azhar University, where he achieved significant results. These research results of the study were made public on air by Dr. Khalifa in a historic, often repeated, television program that included the former Minister of Health, as well as prominent medical doctors of the Masahora series, presented by Isad Yonis in the Orbit Satellite Television Channel. Biogeometrical shapes interact with the Earth's energy to produce a balancing effect on all energy levels of biological systems. Research into shapes of body organs led to the research of the relationship between organ function, energy pattern, and shape. These patterns, called biosignatures, produce through resonance a balance of energy and immunity that support orthodox and alternative medicine. Dr. Kareem joins us to talk about his latest books, Back to a Future for Mankind, and Biosignatures, Harmonizing the Body's Subtle Energy Exchange with the Environment. Welcome, Dr. Kareem. Hello, Richard. How are you? I'm good. I'm delighted to have you with us. I'm happy to be here. 
my my opening question for you is well actually my first question is really over 45 years of biogeometry is that about right it's about right yes <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> was there an event or discovery that led you in a different direction than traditional architecture i can tell you how it started in the beginning you know as an architect when I teach at university the history of architecture, we always teach through sacred buildings, monuments that are known in classical periods in history. And it, I discovered with time that we are concentrating on the material aspects of the building, while the same spots where you had a certain building from a certain era was used by an earlier era. If you dig deeper in the ground, you'll find maybe remnants of an ancient civilization and then you dig even deeper you find even a more ancient civilization L like what happened with uh, for example Heinrich Schliemann when he was looking in, in somewhere near Turkey there and he started digging one city after another at 10 meter uh, uh, differences in depth and he discovered ancient Troy at the bottom you know so you ask yourself why are they all building exactly on the same spot? Is the spot uh, something special? And then you look at what, what those places or temples and all that, they have to do with healing. They have to do with some multidimensional communication. They have to do with oracles. So I started asking myself, maybe the energy of the place has a special quality that's more important than the buildings. And the buildings were there to interact with that energy. So this sort of started the first, the earliest questions. And then when uh, I finished my studies in Switzerland and went to Egypt, uh, I was appointed as a consultant to the Minister of Health. And we mm -hmm. were doing health planning and all that, but among the, the projects that I was given was uh, the upgrade of the Museum of Ancient Medicine. That uh, was a very old palace that had in it all the artifacts of ancient Egyptians and the history of their medicine, which I discovered was fantastic. I mean, the things I saw there are still beyond what our modern medicine can do today. So that started me uh, looking into ancient Egypt, into shapes and all that. And then I met some energy researchers among the doctors there. And that led me into a path of studying energy. So I studied uh, uh, Pythagorean harmonics to, to uh, see the laws of resonance that have to do the intercommunication of uh, information between energy levels. And one thing led to another. And of course, as an architect, I started looking into how angles affect, uh, the, let's say, uh, have a qualitative effect on us. If, uh, if you have a prism and light shines through a prism, you get colors at different angles on the other side of the prism. We all know that. We've studied that at school. But I looked at that and said, then every angle produces a color effect in our brain. So angles are actually uh, 
just as much a qualitative thing as an angular quantitative thing. So from that, I said, if angles are qualities and angles are the components of shapes, then actually all shapes are frozen qualities that radiate those qualities into their environment. And with that, I started studying the energy of shape. And then I put that together with the special energy of sacred power spots until I deciphered the language of the, that could make me resonate geometrically with the qualities of sacred power spots. From that, I developed by geometry. Now I could develop a design language that reproduced the harmonizing energy quality of sacred power spots. Once I could reproduce them, I could amplify them geometrically. I could store them. I could do all what I wanted with this energy quality. And that I called at the time BG3, the Biogeometric 3, because it had three main qualities. And from that, I started Biogeometry. So that was the, let's say the starting moment in Biogeometry is the geometrical language that reproduces this harmonizing energy quality that you find in sacred power spots. And from then on, 47 years later, here we are now together. <laughs> and so, this, so part of what you're, well, I mean, what you're really talking about is, I believe what I've heard you refer to as the law of resonance. Yes. Is that, is that fit into this? Can you talk a little bit more about the law of resonance? Yes, this is, you know, one of the things that helped me develop biogeometry was the development of what I call the physics of quality. You know, our physics deals with quantitative relationships where the, actually the human subjective part is kept out of any experiment. So we've developed a modern technology with the human being out of it. And so... It's, he benefits a lot from it, but ultimately it's at his expense because he wasn't part of it from the beginning. But if you have a physics of quality in which the human being becomes the central measuring instrument for the qualities of everything around him, then you have a new physics that is for the human being, not at his expense. And so I started this physics by studying the Pythagorean laws of harmonics and music and all that. And then I discovered that you could actually take that into an ancient Egyptian form of harmonics. Uh, you can't find it in, their, uh, in, their, in any work that has to do with Egyptology. But once I developed the concept of physics of quality, I applied it on ancient Egypt and other things and it works perfectly. So the concept goes like this. If you take Pythagorean harmonics, then take a musical string instrument where you have strings. Then if you pluck a string, every other string that is double or half its size will resonate with it and you get an echo. So that's why we call that on a piano, for example, you call that octaves, that every note or every string that's double has the same. So you find the C repeating itself over the keyboard. You find the D and every note keeps repeating itself because they are in resonance together. So when you hit one, all the others resonate with it. So a resonance means they are together, means 
exchange of information. Now, let's take uh, this musical instrument and extend from one side all the way down to zero and take the other side and extend it all the way to infinity. So you have a musical instrument, a virtual one, hypothetical one, that goes from zero to infinity that, that resonates with everything existing in the universe. So now you don't have resonance only between sound notes, but you can have resonance between uh, a sound note, a geometrical shape, uh, a number, or uh, anything in the universe will find its place there, a thought, an emotion, everything, even multidimensional things that you're not aware of. They will be part of that huge musical instrument. So the law of resonance now is a universal law that is not limited by our time and space. So it's a new law. It's not limited by causality. It's not uh, limited by any physical law like all our modern instruments. So this is the physics of quality where you, you discover that the whole universe is one connected, uh, so, so vibrating unit. And this is the basis of bijometry also. We introduce into this unity the harmonizing quality of sacred power spots, and then you have the physics of quality that is the cornerstone uh, of bijometry today. And in these resonance, do, I'm trying to formulate this into a question, is the effect on let's say me or a space or an animal or a tree or a rock different or, or is re or resonance is a pure thing that travels throughout all creatures and objects. No, you see, uh, we're speaking about resonance of qualities. Okay. So instead of having uh, your basic units, or your basic scale of measurements, instead of having it quantitative, numerical, you have a qualitative scale where all qualities in nature become part of a scale. I'll give you an example. If you carry uh, something in front of you and say, this is uh, 200 grams. You say you weigh it, it weighs 200 grams. You cannot say that. You must weigh it to know that it, it has 200 grams. So that's quantitative measurement, 200 grams or a pound is quantitative measurement. But the human being works qualitatively. You carry the thing and say it's light or heavy. So light and heavy are actually part of the qualitative scale of measurement. So you're measuring things in the universe according to their effect on your body. And that effect is qualitative. So now, if we know that certain shapes produce a certain quality, then the shape will have will sort of enter into resonance with everything around the big plant, big human being, being everything through this quality. So everything around it will not just around it everywhere will sort of resonate, or we say, enter into tune in tune with that shape. You see. So every 
you, you can see that, for example, different uh, shapes can produce different qualities. Similar shapes can produce similar qualities. So uh, in ancient plant medicine, they used to look at the shape of the plant and the shape of the organ and the body. And if they had the same shape, that means they are somehow resonating together. So you can use that plant to, uh, as a herbal medicine for that organ, you see. So there's a whole uh, interaction between sound, shape, all attributes in the universe are uh, interacting together. And that makes it a very nice thing because you can actually, th through programming of any shape, emit a certain quality on your surroundings. Now, usually, let's take colors as qualities. Let's say a shape can emit a red color or a blue color. And if somebody has a problem, that means the problem is an overactivity or an underactivity in one of the body functions. Let's say it's overactive. You want to calm it down. So you would need a shape that emits something like the violet color or something like that, which has a calming effect. If an organ is under function, maybe you want to give it some red color. So you get another shape that produces the red color. And the problem with using shapes that emit a certain quality is that you must have a certain dosage because if you give an organ uh, red quality to boost it up, you reach a, a balanced point where it's perfect. But beyond that, you're causing a problem on the other side. You're giving it overactivity. And if you're doing the same thing with an organ that's overactive, you're calming it down with violet until a certain effect, a certain level of perfection, and then it goes to underactivity. So now, by geometry, introduced a sort of the center to all opposites, and that's the energy of sacred power spots. Because in a sacred power spot, I noticed you could go there and stay there any length of time, and over-function of an organ will become normal, under-function will become normal. So I understood that there's a sort of a centering effect. And centering means that it is not, uh, it's beyond dualities. It's the center of dualities. So it doesn't, it's not affected by time and space. So now by introducing through biogeometry, this centering energy, this harmonizing energy into all color effects, it sort of keeps them balanced forever, as long as this energy is there. And this is how biogeometry works. It, it, it introduces this harmonizing energy into the environment, and this harmonizing energy balances all the effects out there in the environment by connecting them to this center. And a center means, you know, a center means that there's something beyond time and space. If you have a circle, and you want to find the center, and you take a pencil and put a point, then you'll discover that if you enlarge it, the point has a center. If you mark it, enlarge it again, there's another center. So centers are quantitatively elusive. You can't find them. It's just a centering quality, actually. 
It's a center in quality that's multidimensional, that takes you to higher dimensions. So by geometry is like uh, programming shapes to become portals that bring this harmonizing sacred energy and radiate it to the environment around them. So that's why I, I always tell the people studying by geometry with me that the highest degree I can give you when you reach the highest levels of biogeometry is not a doctor's degree and things like that, that the ones I have. They're significant. I would say that the highest degree is being a doorman. Because as a doorman, mm. I open the door to the harmonizing energy. And if you're a doorman, that's the highest degree I can give you. <laughs> I would take that degree happily. That would be a great, that's an excellent that's excellent. I really like that. For an example of what you're, the potential or the effect of this, would you talk about the Hamburg Electra Smoke Project that you did? Because that will give, the, give us an, an example of an actu- a, a, a thing that will, I think will help us contextualize it. Okay. Well, before I start with Hamburg, I'll tell you about the discussion that uh, we had in a think tank uh, in the U.S. Uh, once. I was invited there as part of Think Tank, and we were discussing uh, many aspects of disease. And uh, one of the doctors there was saying that medicine has advanced so much in the past 100 years that we've extended the lifespan by 20 years. And uh, we've uh, discovered antibiotics, we've discovered, we've eradicated so many diseases and all that. But then somebody came and told him, Yes, but at what cost those 20 years? Those 20 years come at the cost on our well-being. So the doctor answered and said, well, actually, that is due to a new trend coming in. We feel we mastered the old things and found cures for most diseases, but now we have a new uh, type, which we call chronic diseases. And chronic diseases... You know, like high blood pressure, diabetes, autism, so many things. They don't know the causes. So he says, we can only manage them. But the problem is that this type of the chronic diseases are increasing at a rapid speed. And that's the modern challenge for medicine. So my answer was to that. You call them chronic diseases because you haven't found their cause. Because until now, modern medicine looks into the human being for causes. But I told him then, but if the causes are outside, somewhere else, then you need to go out there to find them. Then what's chronic will not become chronic anymore if you find this cause. So he said, yes, true, but we don't know where to look. So the Hamburg, in a way, gives an answer to this question because it's an answer out of my experience. Uh, I was invited by the government in Switzerland and the major mobile provider, Swisscom, to find a solution to a region called Hamburg in the state of St. Gallen, where the people suffered from so many uh, diseases that were attributed to electro-hypersensitivity. Now, the there was a lot of controversy about electrohypersensitivity. Uh, many 
people said that this was just psychological. You know, it, there is no disease called electrosensitivity, and it cannot trigger any disease and all that. You, you know, there's always the industry is always saying electromagnetic radiation is not harmful, uh, while many researchers say it's harmful. So uh, they entered to, to this controversy, and they asked me to go up to this area high in the mountains of Sangandis region and uh, restore the well-being. The first thing I said to them, do you have a solution through modern science, through mainstream science? And that was in Switzerland, and I have my doctor's degree and all my studies. I did all my studies and uh, my postgraduate work. Everything was in Switzerland. So they looked at me partly as one of the scientists there. So I told them, do we have a solution in mainstream science? They said, no, we, we wouldn't have asked you to come. So I told them, but you're asking me for something illogical. Now, the logical answer would be, take away the sources that cause the harm, and the harm will be gone. But you cannot uh, take away the effect if you do not take away the cause. And what they said was, first of all, this is not possible. We can't take a region out of the grid. And second of all, if we take all, uh, let's say, high-tension cables or mobile towers and uh, all that, if we take them out of the region, that means we are saying we are the culprits. So I told them, so you are asking me to change the effect while keeping the harmful cause, the source is there. <laughs> so they laughed and said, well, we wouldn't come to you unless we wanted something like that out of my geometry. You know? <laughs> so, I, so I said, okay, I'll, we'll work against all logic because we work with principles that are beyond duality. So even cause and effect do not apply very much to the principles of my geometry. So I went up there and they had installed the, the mobile antennas inside the church because of the scenery, you know, it's a touristic place and very nice scenery and mountains and all that. And they didn't want to spoil it with sort of big uh, metal towers. So they hid them inside the church towers. And the day they did that, they, everybody started different symptoms. Uh, epilepsy increased, autism increased, uh, high blood pressures, back pains, oh, so many things. And not only did human beings begin suffering, but animals, like cows, for example, started giving stillbirths, started producing less milk. So the economy of the rural areas started going down. And uh, wild animals left the forests, migrating birds left the areas. The plants started... Uh, uh, being, let's say, in a bad shape. And so they wanted to restore the well-being of health, animal, and plant. You, you know, I mean, humans, animals, and plants. So I went there, and I got the technicians from the mobile communication company, Swisscom, which were working with me. And I thought, now, I, I need something to help me carry the effect of geometrical shapes over long distances. So I would use less shapes, you know, and less effort. 
So an idea came to me. I said, why not use the mobile communication tower itself? Because it is radiating the mobile communication uh, electromagnetic radiation. There is a carrier wave. So I said, if I put my shapes up there, the quality of the geometrical shapes will be carried by the mobile communication radiation into the whole area. So I could use, let's say, one-tenth of the amount of shapes I would usually have to do if I put them alone. So they were convinced. We went up the towers. I installed the shapes there. And something happened. I mean, next day, what they called the miracle of Hamburg started happening over there. Uh, children who had epilepsy. For example, we saw a mother there who had three children, 8, 10, or 12 years old, and each one of the three children had five seizures a day. So imagine the amount of medicine they would take, and they couldn't mm. sports, they couldn't go to school and all that. The moment we installed our shapes, all epileptic seizures in the region stopped at that moment. There wasn't one single epileptic seizure in the region of Hamburg, and we are now, let's say, it's maybe 16 years or 17 years since we did that, and it's still good today. Wow. So this is an example. The migrating birds who had left the area for three, four years, so the specialist said migrating birds will not change. They've changed their path already. They'll never come back. Well, a day later, we started finding migrating birds coming in that area again. And even new species who were never there came to that area. Cows started being fertile again. There, there was even one or two uh, women there who couldn't have children, and they became fertile too. It seems that they had been also affected by the electromagnetic radiation. So, I mean, things like uh, high blood pressure, epilepsy, and... Uh, Another aspect that was very prominent is the psychological effects. I mean, while the, the, the statistical studies that were made by uh, an independent committee of uh, doctors, they went there, they found that 60% of the medical symptoms had disappeared. So this shows us that about 60% of the problems or the symptoms we have in our body could be due to causes that, out, that are out there in the environment, whether electromagnetic or uh, chemical. But it shows that each area might differ, but it's around 50 to 60% of causes are out there. So, but the most important thing when we, there was many programs on TV and all that. And so the mayor came out and he said, look, everybody's speaking about the miracle of Hamburg from the health part of animals, of plants and all that. You know, wild animals came back uh, to the forest, uh, the bats came back, things like that. But he said, I'm, a, I'm the mayor. I'm going to speak from a completely different aspect. I would like to shake hands with Dr. Karim and thank him because he restored peace to our region. 
You know, the word peace meant a lot. People had changed in that area, completely changed. You know, there was no aggression anymore. People were smiling, everything. So that's why people said it's a miracle. But if I go back to the questionnaires where people were asked, uh, what was your problem, let's say? And many people spoke about their medical problems. But at the end, they said, look, there are other things too. You know, like a person would say, I have no taste for life. I'm not enjoying life. Although I have a lot of money, I have my work, everything, my children, but I'm not enjoying life. And this was repeated by several persons. Another person would say, I have no will. No will to face challenges and things like that. Or, let's say, they keep fighting with their neighbors when this uh, a dog comes from one garden to the other, or she parks his car a bit on the side of this way or that way. So they, there was always a lot of aggression between the people there. And there were many cases between partners that couldn't stand each other and all that. But in the beginning, we thought these things uh, are beyond my reach. I, I mean, I couldn't do anything with them. But the, after a few days, all this changed all of a sudden when the committee went back to meet those people in the first press conference. And then they started saying, we enjoy life now. Life is totally different. Or we have a very strong will now. Or now between the neighbors and all that, everybody uh, is very happy together. There's no aggression anymore. People are smiling at each other in the streets. The neighbors are out there speaking to each other. You know, something changed. So we noticed that the effect of biogeometry had a huge effect on the mental, emotional aspect as well as the physical. It changed society completely, you know? And just look at it. If we could just reduce aggression in our modern society by five, let's say, or 10%, it would be huge, you know? So, wow. So this is... Uh, the effect that happened from biogeometry there, and they uh, called that the miracle of Hamburg. Uh, a couple of books came out about it, and people were amazed. They couldn't believe themselves, you know. Uh, many people that thought that, uh, okay, he's a, a PhD, he's a scientist from Switzerland, from our university and all that, but you know, the fact that he's an Egyptian, uh, maybe he has some ancient Egyptian secret of the pharaohs or something. Maybe he has a form of ancient magic that he can change everything with it. You know, people started saying things like that. <laughs> and, you know, one, uh, I remember we were in a conference and one psychologist came out and said, well, there have been uh, such things that happened in history where a person can actually affect the, the, the whole perception of, of a whole uh, town or something like this. And so it could be that this person has used something and he is using biogeometry as a front. So one of the ladies from the, she stood up and said, 
professor, uh, do you think that our cows speak Arabic? <laughs> <laughs> she got her with that, you see. <laughs> How? Because he couldn't influence the cows, he couldn't influence the plants, you see. So, <laughs> Hamburg after Hamburg, they actually asked me to make a second area uh, as a sort of pilot project to do the whole country of Switzerland. But they, they had one uh, request. They told me, look, we don't want to put the shapes on the mobile towers because some people are going to think you're correcting the energy of the mobile communication. So it could mean pointing a finger to a culprit. We want it to stay as uh, harmonizing the environment. So can you use some other type of carrier? I told them I, I don't have a problem. The earth magnetic field can carry the effect of the geometrical shapes. I can plant them in the ground and the harmonizing effect will flow along the magnetic field of the earth. I can do whole regions that way. From, I mean, we went in a new region called Hirschberg in Appenzell. Uh, that's another state. And it was uh, a huge valley, maybe 10 to 15 kilometers in diameter. And in the middle, there was a hill that, that was Hirschberg, where they had a huge tower, about 40 meters high, with everything you can think uh, put on there, radio, television, mobile communication, everything. And they had even more problems than Hamburg. So I went there in a central spot, and I put 12 geometrical shapes that each one is about a foot high. I buried them in the ground in a central area. And they affected the whole valley of Hirschberg, and we got the same results like in Hamburg. So wow. this was, let's say, the pilot project for the rest of Switzerland. Unfortunately, at that time, I couldn't sign the contract. I was offered the contract to do the whole country. But at that time, I had already moved uh, to Canada because... Uh, my youngest daughter was studying there, so I moved to Canada. So I was six months in Canada, six months in Egypt. So I had to leave my residency in Switzerland. I was a resident there. So I excused myself. I, I told that due to personal family reasons, I couldn't do it. But I was offered that to do the whole country, you see. So wow. this, year, this year I went back there to, because there was a fire that destroyed some of the cables going to the church tower in, uh, in Hamburg. And they had to get down all the equipment and redo it again. So they took away all the bi-geometry shapes from the tower. And the moment they took those shapes down after the fire, the problem started again. You know, the same problems they had about 16 years ago started again. So they contacted me. Uh, I was in Canada, and they told me, please come and uh, restore the, the things because we've taken the shapes out of the towers. We want to put them back in place again because they have to be oriented in certain directions to the antennas and certain distances. So I went back there, and we installed them again, and within an hour or two, everything was perfect again. 
I mean, actually, they said the second time around, it became better than the first time. I told them, <laughs> maybe, maybe with age, I'm getting wiser. <laughs> and, and since you're now in Canada, can you talk a little bit? I want to talk about biosignatures, but I want to ask about the what I refer to as in my notes as the Healthy Chicken Project in Quebec. <laughs> can you talk a bit about that? Because that's another... As they said, it's not like you're passing notes to chickens or whispering in their ears or hypnotizing. Them. <laughs> yeah, well, in uh, you know, in the it, it's an area north of Quebec called Alma, and this is one of the biggest uh, companies in Canada called Nutrinor. I mean, they are diversified into everything you can think of. One of them is animal farming, and they saw a research that I had done as part of a postgraduate, a doctor's thesis in Egypt. Because for the past 20 years, I've been supervising uh, doctors' work, you know, at universities. And the nice thing about supervising uh, doctors' theses in several universities is I get a chance to make research at those universities for free as part of doctor's degrees, you know. So I've managed to do research in everything, in animal farming, in uh, human health and everything through doctor's degrees, you know, with the students. So one of the researches was done on uh, completely chemical-free uh, chicken farming. No antibiotics, no vaccinations, nothing at all. And in Canada, they had seen that and asked me to make a research project uh, in north of Quebec with chicken without antibiotics. So my first reaction was, I read everywhere that everybody's producing chicken without antibiotics. I mean, every company in the U.S. and Canada is saying we have chicken without antibiotics. So if this is quite a common thing, then why ask me to do it? And the answer was, I mean, don't be naive. Do you really believe that? <laughs> so I said, well, what do you mean really believe that? They said, look, there are two types of antibiotics. There's a preventive antibiotic that they put in the foot through the lifespan of the chicken. It's part of their foot and it goes in there every day. And there's another type of antibiotic that's called the therapeutic one. Every time they get sick, they get a four or five day doses of more antibiotics uh, when they're sick. So these are two levels of antibiotics. And then they have to take vaccinations in the beginning. So I said, okay, now, what, I mean, when you say we don't have antibiotics, which antibiotics you don't have? They said, look, they can, for example, the therapeutic antibiotic, they can say, uh, we're, we're not using this, we're using that. But with the therapeutic antibiotic, they tell you, if you give them two doses of four days, then it doesn't count as antibiotic mm. because two doses of four, four days when the chicken are sick uh, will not stay in their system through the whole cycle. So that they don't count as antibiotics. I said, okay. And the other one, they said, well, usually they say we eliminate uh, antibiotics that affect human beings and leave the rest that are only for animals. Mm. <laughs> so I said, well, <laughs> Uh, when we work, and then they said the vaccination they put in the, foot the first day, 
This you cannot take away, otherwise the chicks will die. So I said, look, take everything off. No vaccination, no antibiotics, nothing at all. And then they told me, but you know what? If we take the daily antibiotics off, the chicken will not grow to the same weight. So I said, why? Antibiotics actually have nothing to do with weight. So they said, no, they have growth factors in them. Mm. That animal antibiotics include growth factors. I told them, I thought that hormones are illegal. So even if you do them synthetically inside your antibiotics, it's, you know, it's going through the back door. And they said, well, don't call them synthetic hormones. Call them growth factors. I said, look, well, I don't care. You just take everything off. And I think if I, if I increase the immunity of the chicken, they will grow naturally and everything will be okay. So we took everything completely off. And we put shapes in the corners of the barns. And we, they told us, you, if you go longer than three months without any form of antibiotic, then you're home free because usually in three months, if you don't give the chicken antibiotics, there's so much bacteria that goes into the, the building itself, you know, it goes even into the cement floors, into everything. And in three months, the building becomes completely unusable. They would have to... Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, fumigate it and scrape up cer uh, certain area, uh, levels of the wall and all that. So I told them, don't worry. Let's see. We'll... So we went three months, everything was perfect. We went six months, everything was perfect. And after six months, they came to us and said, okay, I mean, you proved yourself. The research project is good. And they offered us uh, a contract. So we're into our fifth year of a commercial contract producing chicken without any form of chemical treatment. The thing is, wow. uh, the last thing that uh, was very, <laughs> it's like an anecdote that happened uh, a few months ago, uh, the CEO and the director of, of those, uh, of the chicken farming areas and the CEO of the whole uh, company came to Montreal. So we had the dinner together. And they told me that something funny happened. They went to the slaughterhouse and the people at the slaughterhouse told them, you know, your chicken are very peculiar. We call them happy chicken. So they said, why? <laughs> How can a chicken be happy? So they told them, look, usually when chicken grow, you know, thousands in a confined space, they start scratching each other. And uh, they're very aggressive. So in the slaughterhouse, you have to put some chemicals in order to restore the beauty of the skin, you know, to, to have those scratch marks go away. So they usually uh, do something to make the skin smooth again with no scratch marks. And they said with your chicken, very strange. I mean, when you take the feathers off, there's nothing at all. There's the skin is very smooth, as if they were never scratched or had any fights together. <laughs> what are your chicken doing here? <laughs> I mean, 
So they said, I, we call them the happy chicken. And <laughs> one of the things that y- y- you can do with those chickens is to give the chickens, and I told them to do that on a private basis. I told them if you want to do some humanitarian work, take some of those chickens and give them to families with severe immune problems or severe health problems. And you'll see the chicken, because they were radiated all their life with this BG3 harmonizing energy of sacred phosphorus, but in a very amplified form, they will radiate this energy into their environment. So the chicken itself will have a healing effect on the person who eats the chicken. And so this is what we've been doing in, uh, in Canada for the past five years. I mean, one of the things, one of the main projects we've been doing. That's amazing. That's, that's truly, that's truly <laughs> happy chickens. Who knew happy they, chicken, should change yes. their, they should change their brand to happy chicken ranch or something. Yeah, because you know, uh, the thing is the, this happiness, I mean, the happy chicken radiates the happiness into the one who eats them, you know? So, right. Yeah. I may have to move to Canada so I can eat happy chicken. That would be amazing. Um, Maybe one day we'll do something like that in the U.S. I don't know. Oh, that would be very good. This is a much longer question, because, but I'm going to jump to something. I wanted to talk about biosignatures, but this is I'm going to have to do it this way. I'm going to ask you, what can we do on an individual basis? for electromagnetic pollution. In other words, I, I, I'll make this about me for a moment. I'm standing in front of a computer producing the show. I have a computer in front of me. I have a, a router with Wi-Fi about 10 feet away. What, what can I do, and thusly, what can people do to help balance that since EMF and electrosmog is such a dirty subject? Okay, well, that's a very, very good question. You know, in the project we did in Kirchberg in Switzerland, people came to me and asked the same question. They said, uh, by the time the government negotiates a whole country uh, solution, because, you know, the contract of whole country, uh, we had been in about two years of negotiation, you know, writing the articles and things like that, We're going to the parliament. And so they said, look, you're taking too much time and people with electrosensitivity cannot wait until you come to the region, maybe 10 years from today, a person was telling me you will be long dead. So we want an individual home solution that anybody can buy and put in his home. So, we developed what we called a home kit. I took uh, pictures of those large geometrical shapes, reduced them, engraved them into small cubes like that, that while the big shapes would actually cover huge distances, the small shapes would cover a home. We made one cube that would cover, let's say, a two-room apartment and uh, for a larger house, we have a home kit with three cubes and some attachments to electrical uh, wiring and all that. So this we call the home kit. And 
We've also developed some new things that will be out soon. We have done carpets. Uh, uh, the carpets were actually specially done for uh, autistic children, for children with epilepsy and all that, who are very, very sensitive to electromagnetic radiation. So we developed carpets that affect the right brain and left brain synchronicity together. And through the brain harmonizing, we harmonize the whole body. So these are some solutions. But I'm not going to make uh, some advertisements for our products. I mean, you can go to, uh, to our website, www.bajomti.com or bajomti.shop and find all our products there. But I think that today, before we leave this program, we should give the listeners something to go home with that they can do themselves, you know. So I'll start giving you some tips now what to do so that there are solutions you can do yourself, okay? Now, you come on every cable that goes to any device in your room, let's say uh, cables to the routers, cables to the TVs, all electrical cables. And you take some marker and you make 16 strokes on the cable, you know, 16 parallel strokes like that on the cable and then leave a small distance and then make nine strokes on that cable. Okay? The 16 and nine strokes will have a harmonizing effect on the electromagnetic fields going into the device. And then there is something else you can do near at the end of the cable when you're plugging it in, you make a knot at the end of the cable, you know. Just knot it like that. So, knot it on on the end that goes into the wall. So, now just by putting 16 and 9, this will somehow uh, bring harmony into uh, uh, your uh, device, I mean, into the electromagnetic field itself. 16 is a number that radiates the energy of sacred particles, this harmonizing energy. 9 is a special number that is tuned in for electric, uh, magnetic radiation. So you can get, for example, uh, uh, a paper and draw 16 dots on it in a circle like that and put your uh, cup of tea in the middle or your glass in the middle. It, it will harmonize it. And, uh, or put it under the bed if you have place under the head of the bed or something. Get a paper and draw 16 uh, dots under the bed. This will help you uh, a lot of things. We have some other shapes that you could draw. But basically, I mean... You could come even on the router itself and get a piece of paper like that and make the 16 short strokes and the nine short strokes on some uh, sticker, like sticker paper and just put it on the routers. And you can do the same thing on the TV. You can put on the back. You can put on the back of the TV uh, at maybe two, three places 
a piece of paper like that sticker with 16 strokes and under it nine strokes. So just with 16 and nine, you, you can do miracles. And this is the energy of numbers. Because if, if you look at, I'll give you an example. If you have a flow of water and you put, you throw a number of stone in it, you know, one stone, two stones, three stones. With every different number, you get a different shape of turbulence of the water. So number will affect the flow of energy. And this goes, that's what we call the energetic effect of numbers. And the nice thing about the energy we're speaking about, we're not speaking about energy on the physical level as we know it. No, we're speaking about subtle energy. Subtle energy is the energy that is beyond our physical causal time-space level. It's the energy that you have, for example, in your vitality. It's the energy of your emotions. It's the energy of your thoughts. All those energies are within the subtle energy domain. And the energy of numbers and geometrical shapes work on those domains. That explains that if you bring harmony into the emotional and mental levels, even if the cause is affecting your physical level, now, you feel the stress to the emotional level. You become aware of it to the mental level. And if those two are harmonized, your body will not resonate with the thing that's causing the stress. The physical aspect will go through your body without your body resonating with it. So the effect will be greatly reduced, you see. So I think with those uh, little things that you do with numbers, you can change your life just with the 16 and 9, you know. That's wonderful. I'll be putting those dots and lines on the back of my router after we hang up. <laughs> okay. And then you, uh, another thing, for example, it's not just your router. You know, what is happening lately is we're moving from uh, fossil gases and all that. We're moving into an electrical era. But actually, we can say it in a very blunt way that the age of information that depends on electromagnetic radiation, a time bomb, a hidden time bomb within it. Because we are building now electrical cars. We're building uh, smart cities. What happens if in an electrical car, your body gets disturbed already about three or four feet away from the car before you reach it? When you're in it, all your organs are affected by electromagnetic stress. So people are not aware that moving into electri-saturated environments will be very detrimental to their health. And so we need solutions for that. Otherwise, uh, chronic diseases will increase rapidly. And that's one of the main fields we work in. We have uh, car attachments like that that you can put in the car. But you, you can still go get the paper, you know, like that. Put your 16 and your 9 lines and stick it on the dashboard of your car. It's, it's not like a car attachment, but it will reduce the effect to a certain degree. Okay, I'm taking a deep breath since I drive a hybrid. So I'm taking uh -oh. a deep breath uh -oh. on that. <laughs> Thank you. You're you out, you're right out of... Yeah, you're out of luck there, but I tell you what, since you will notice that if you 
drive long distances, stress, I mean, uh, on your body. It's not something you notice because it's on subtle energy level. But imagine we have this car attachment, we have the solutions we put in the car. Imagine such a thing that if we do that, or if the manufacturers themselves introduce by geometry in the floor mats or in the small attachments we put in the cars, you could actually reduce stress, driver stress, you can minimize accidents, you can affect the whole driving experience. That would be stupendous. I look forward to your carpet mats for cars. <laughs> with well, well, with we, we don't produce them. We produce, at, for the time, we produce a small sticker like that that you put on the car. It's a small metal sticker. That It's this metal strip about uh, three inches long and half an inch wide that you stick somewhere in the dashboard of your car. And this will take care of everything. Uh, carpets, not, as for carpets, we are producing carpets now in Egypt. And they will be mainly, I don't know when we'll be able to export them or something like that. They might go into our program a bit later this year or beginning of next year. Okay. I'm, I'm shocked to find, I'm not actually shocked. I totally thought that we would run out of time. And... Uh, because I really, I, I would like to have you back and talk about health benefits like the autistic children and the special needs children that you've worked with and those kinds of things, because that's a whole another area of health benefit, long-term positive effect for children as they grow to clear these energies. I can't tell you how much uh, it, this emotional impact when you find an autistic child near a geometrical shape and his perception starts changing and starts to act like a normal person. Mm-hmm. That's I, have a res- I have a research pavilion in the garden of my office where I ask all uh, centers that have autistic children, they can come there once a week in our garden of our office and they can come with the doctors and the children and try the pavilion to see the effect of the magical shapes on the children. Wonderful. Maybe in another program we'll go more into those things. Yes, exactly. This has been a wonderful show, Dr. Karim. I'm so happy that we've been able to talk, and I will talk to you backstage about scheduling the next show. (laughs) I kind of thought there would be more than one show. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll do it sometime. Yes, excellent. Uh, Thank you very much, and everybody have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you on uh, next week. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, and thanks, everyone. Thank you.